It is Rivalry Week. We're about three days away from another chapter of the Utah-BYU Rivalry. Could not wait to get this thing started. Joining us now to do nothing but talk about Hans Olsen stories, it's Chris Hoke. <laughs> no, talk about Chris Hoke stories. That's all that's important. Hoke, how are you? What's going on, guys? No, no Hans stories today, okay, bud? No hand stories, not today. <laughs> it's all about the red and blue. <laughs> oh, man, Chris. I want you to start by telling us just, well, first of all, how you been, man? You're still in Pittsburgh. Tell us how you've been. Kind of catch BYU fans up with where you've been and what you've been doing. Well, things are great. I'm out in Pittsburgh uh, still doing all the things I do out here. This time of year is a lot of fun because I'm still covering the Steelers. I do a radio show out here, and I also do the post-game show on their flagship uh, flagship station on KDK, which is a CBS affiliate. So, still very involved with the Steelers and having a great time. And just uh, you know, I got five kids. One just left on a mission uh, back in July. A and BYU commit. Home. Yep, BYU commit, and there are the, the other four keeping me busy. So, uh, so. When you uh, when you look back at this rivalry, and I know that uh, the the Utah's had the upper hand over the last uh, several games, what do you think has been the biggest division between these two teams that's allowed Utah to have this recent success? Uh, if I'm going to be honest with you, I think it's talent. I think that they've been superior when it comes to talent, and people can argue any way they want. But when end of the day, when you look at the number of NFL players that Utah has compared to BYU, unfortunately, it's disproportionate. I mean, there's a lot more Utah players in the NFL than there are BYU players. And I think BYU has had a couple of young guys join the NFL fold over the last few years, but largely and globally in the NFL, there's more Utah players. And so that shows me that they have more talent. You know, Chris, I, I know that you're very involved in the NFL and, and involved with the Steelers, but I, I know you keep a close eye on collegiate standings and where BYU stands specifically, especially with your son going to play for the Cougars. What does BYU need to do in order to get back in the game with Utah? Well, I think it's. Uh, I think they're doing a good job recruiting. I believe so. Um, I also think it's a combination of making sure that you're bringing the right guys in. Uh, not only the guys that got to fit the, uh, you know, just the the, the the BYU standards, but also guys that can play football at a high level. And that makes it a little more difficult to recruit. You know, a lot of a school like Utah can recruit anybody they want. Right, they don't care about their about their standards or anything like that. BYU does, and so that makes it a little more difficult to recruit and get the kind of guys that they want to get. Also, it's just developing; it's developing players. And uh, you know, you got good coaches. Klein's a great coach. Uh, Kyle's a good coach up there in Salt Lake, and and you know, Kyle's proven he's he knows how to develop players and 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 grow them into players that are that are successful on the football field. And I think Kalani, still being a young head coach. Um, you're going to see him do that more and more. And hopefully, that's why I said recently, you've seen more players in the NFL. Hopefully, you'll see Kalani doing that and developing this talent. What a, you know, you played with Kalani, you know him extremely well. Were you always of the belief that he'd end up being a, a, a coach and a successful one? I didn't. I never think he was going to be a coach, but I, but I followed him, you know, just talking to him and also talking to other players that we played with and just following his his uh, rise in the coaching field and see him going from, you know, coach to position coach to defensive coordinator to head coach. Now BYU. I mean, he was a guy that uh, was well-respected that was beloved by his players and a, a guy that proved that he can, he can coach and, 
and call plays at the collegiate level, Division One level. And so all those things put together put you as a head coach. And, you know, I never thought he'd be the head, co- the head coach. I mean, who, who would have known where I would be or Hans would be right now back when we were in college? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, hey, Chris, obviously you know that BYU is letting him roll into – his final year uh, of of his coaching contract, which would be 2020, and that's just not typical in the collegiate world. There's typically an extension on that second year, and a lot of us are kind of holding our breath, waiting to see if Kalani can maybe get a win in this rivalry game or just do better against his rivals in Utah and Utah State. Do you believe that Kalani Sataki is the right man for that BYU head coaching job? So I think he's the right guy. I think he's the right guy. I do. I. I do I think they're going to extend this contract? I don't know. I mean, the reason that I say that is because a lot of times, like you said, you don't see a, a college coach or even a coach in the NFL going into his last year of, of his contract, and he sticks around after that. Usually that's a wait and see. They want to see if he's going to win. I mean, football right now is about winning, and if you can't win, then uh, you've got to move on, and they've got to bring a guy in who can they think that can turn the program around. And I think Kalani feels that he has the roster to do that. And, and one thing that BYU has been lacking um, recent years is a quarterback. And I think they believe they have that in Zach Wilson. If you, if you can get good quarterback play um, on, on a college team, on any team, you're going to be successful. So hopefully that's a guy that he can ride Zach Wilson this season into a winning season. So you like Zach Wilson, it sounds like. What about him jumps out at you as a guy that you feel like can uh, turn this thing around for BYU? I think he's, in my mind, what I what I know of him and what I read about him and what I watch is that he's a football junkie, loves football. As a quarterback, you've got to be a football junkie. you got you got to know all about football. He's a competitive guy. He's a fiery guy. Um, and uh, it's just everything I hear about the guy just screams out that he is a leader and he's the type of personality and type of makeup that you need at the quarterback position. And he, he makes good throws. We'll see if his shoulder can hold up. And, you know, he had that surgery. In the off season, and he's gone through training camp. He says he's ready to go, and we'll find out on Thursday night. So, Chris, I was hoping you could come back for this game. I, I wanted you there on a on a late Thursday night. You're not going to be able to come back for this one. No, I, I've looked at everything, and I here's here's the concern I have. You know, I have four other kids. Like I said, I have a son who's playing varsity ball out here, uh, Nate, um, and uh, they have a game Friday night. And I'm just concerned that I won't get back for. For his game, mm-hmm. if I leave uh, Friday morning, if they have a delay or anything, I tell you what, I'd, I'd miss anything, but I wouldn't miss my son's football game. And so I, I'm, I'm going to stay home and watch it with my family, just so I don't, so I can ensure that I'll be there Friday at 7:30 under the lights. Totally understandable. Obviously, for BYU fans out there or anybody that's listening, Chris Hoke's son, Cade Hoke, was a top-rated linebacker in Pittsburgh through his high school time, his prep school time, and. And uh, he recently committed to BYU just <clears throat> this last summer. Talk about that commitment, Chris. Talk about the recruitment and the commitment. And, and is he excited to come back and play for BYU in two years? He is excited, and I tell you what, I'm excited for him. And uh, that's where he wanted to be. That's where he felt like it was home. Uh, Kalani and Ed Lamb did a good job of uh, recruiting him and, and looking at him. And uh, you know, he, uh, he he's gonna have two years away from the game to really build that that well of, of passion and, and motivation that he's always had, but it's going to be deeper and stronger when he gets home. And I, I, you know, I'm excited for what he's doing. He's down in Rio de Janeiro, uh, Brazil, and teaching among the Brazilian people. And I, I just can't wait till he gets back and I can start, you know, working with him the day he gets home and get him out on the field, get him in the weight room. Um, it's exciting. I'm excited for him to wear the blue and white. Hmm. 
Chris Oak, kind enough to join us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Any particular memories that jump out at you with your time in the rivalry? I just remember the competitive nature of the game. You know, they just going into that game, it's, there's nothing like playing against Utah. I, I, I compare it to when I played for the Steelers and we played the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, it is you get the best out of both teams, and it's just a matter of who has the stronger will and who's going to hit the hardest and the longest. And in this game on, on, on Thursday night, that's what it's going to be. There's, it's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of trench warfare. The, the BYU has a big offensive line. They have good, good running backs. And so you're going to see some physical games, and that's what Hanson and I played. And Hanson and I always played in physical games against Utah. And that's what I remember is it the intensity and the big play atmosphere and the big game atmosphere that we played in. Your senior year was 2000. It was Lavelle Edwards' final season coaching at BYU, and you had an incredible performance there at Rice-Eccles Stadium and an insane comeback. Kind of relive just those final minutes of that game and, and don't talk about what number 72 was saying on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was for 72, we wouldn't have won that game. He was holding down the line of scrimmage. I think they were double and triple teaming him, and he was still throwing them like he was Superman. Um, but uh, Hans Olsen was a great football player, but you really were. And um, but that was that was a great comeback. Brandon Doman, just that drive there at the end of the game, uh, was huge for us to win that game. And I remember just, man, it's just it's unbelievable and uh, a great way to end your end your career, and uh, and go out that way. And it's it's always fun when you get able to beat them. How much if when you lose that game, how much does that stick with you? I mean, I guess it was a little different for you guys because there were so many conference implications, but. I mean, chances are you guys know each other well on the other, you know, on the other side, and, and bragging rights. I mean, they mean something in this thing. Well, it's huge, you know, especially if you're a guy who remains in Utah. I mean, I I left Utah a few months after I my final snap at BYU. I came out here to Pittsburgh, so I've been in Pittsburgh ever since I I left, you know, BYU. And so it's not as a, it's a big deal because I can you know, grab people out here when I see them and they're Utah fans out here in Pittsburgh at church, but. When you're when you're living in Utah and you're there every single day and it's split and and you're talking about it and you're living it, it's a, it's a bigger deal because it's bragging rights, and so that's that's what it is for guys like Hans and, and other guys that I play with at BYU. It's a bigger deal when you remain in Utah. You know, Chris, I, I was curious about this. By the way, Chris Hoke, former teammate of mine, hanging out with us for a few minutes. I. I was curious about this. I was cut in my third year in the NFL, so I didn't get the experience, like the true experience of building rivalries in the NFL. And I, I do know there are some, and obviously Pittsburgh's got theirs. What, what, what is, like when you think of your memories of your career, how much do you think of your your matchups against Utah as compared to some of those rivalry matchups in the NFL? Well, it, it was always the game that you looked forward to. It was the game that was, circled on your your schedule when the schedule came out and it was the same it's the same thing when i came to pittsburgh and we circled the games against baltimore we circled the game against new england patriots those were the teams when i was playing that we couldn't wait to play because they were the best teams and the game team games always went back and forth we'd win in pittsburgh and we'd lose in baltimore then we next year they'd beat us in pittsburgh and we'd beat them in baltimore it just went back and forth right and they were always for big playoff implications and uh, and so those are those were big games, you know. When you look at Utah, and it's 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 a lot of bragging rights because there's a lot of in-state. There's other implications more than just 
um, playoff implications or anything like that. It's more of bragging rights. It's more about pride, and that digs deeper. That really that really cuts you deeper when you're playing for bragging rights and playing for pride. Chris Oak right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You guys out there miss Antonio Brown at all, or are you happy to see him go? <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's kind of nice not having him out here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I like Antonio. I played with him for a couple years, and uh, it just seems like um, you know, things kind of went sideways the last couple years. And um, not having him out here in Pittsburgh, um, it's, there's a different feel in the locker room. There's a different feel at training camp. I've been down at training camp, been in the locker room. I've been around the team uh, a lot over the last month. And it's a different feel out here. Um, this, this has really brought the team together, and it's made them stronger. And you're going to see uh, this team is going to play very, very well this year. You've watched them last night on Sunday Night yeah. Football. Ben yep. came in, he threw 13 passes, and he, he could have been 12 for 13. He had one overthrow, but the rest of them were right in the money. He had a couple guys drop balls. He threw one on the money uh, to Juju in the end zone. I mean, we, we have a lot of talent at receiver. Yeah, and they're young, but the Steelers know how to draft talent at receivers. They know how to develop receivers. And when you have a guy like Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball, this is going to be a really, really good team that people are underestimating. It's weird, Chris, like listening to people talk about Ben Roethlisberger that aren't in that locker room, that are just kind of exterior presences in the media trying to report on that team. There's a lot of criticism for Ben maybe being an overbearing leader. It's Ben way or no way. Is is, is does Ben still have a lot to give, and, and is he that difficult to play on the offensive side with? Well, listen, he, he just still has a lot to give, and, and Ben does say things sometimes that rub people the wrong way, and as a leader, he thinks that he's justified in saying that, and, and you can argue one way or the other, but he feels he's justified, and he's also admitted, too, that he shouldn't have said some of the things he said on, on his radio show last year about Antonio Brown that soured that relationship, but... You know, when you talk about Ben and his talents and, and what he does on the field, uh, one thing I know about Ben, do not count him out. And people are, are really talking down on him or counting him out for the season. And that's why I'm telling you, you better watch Ben Rosenberger this year. He's going to have a lights-out season. Um, he's going to have probably one of the best seasons he's had in his career because he is one of the, the fiercest competitors I know. Um, he is a guy that when you're not when you're counting him out, when you're not – when you're, when you're putting more emphasis on another player that he's competing against, it's, um, it's, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't work out well for that other player. Hey, Chris, I, I wanted to go back to this rival game one more time. I apologize to kind of jump back on this with you. But I was trying – I was sitting there this morning trying to recall – it's been a bit – trying to recall the way Lavelle Edwards handled rivalry week. And, and what I remember is he had a tremendous amount of respect for Ron McBride. He had a – a ton of respect for the University of Utah and he always coached throughout that week that week of preparation with a lot of respect and and I don't ever remember disparaging remarks for fans or players or coaches or any of that what do you remember specifically about the way Lavelle coached during rivalry well week? Yeah, I think you're, you're right on Hans I mean he had a lot of respect for, for Coach McBride it was one of his close friends and uh, and so it, it took for us preparing for that game uh the years that he had competing against utah and understand the talent they had and understand the coaching they had he understood the importance of preparation and how hard we needed to prepare for that game and to be ready for that game i don't think it was a game where he changed up really anything in, in preparation of, of practice 
it was just a heightened sense of urgency that came in practice. The same routines, the same uh, you know, time, study time, same film, film time, but just a heightened sense of urgency that was, that was trickling down from Coach Edwards is what I remember. Well, hey, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, look forward to catching up with you again here very soon. Man, I love it, guys. I love being off you. And, uh, hey, good luck to the Cougars this uh, Thursday night. Go Cougs. I love it. Chris, thanks so much, brother. Chris Hoke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.